Kicking off the new year with episode 26, and we're going to dive deep into mentoring with editor Troy Takaki, ACE. Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 26 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Very excited to start off the new year with so many new community members. So if it's your first time here, welcome. Very happy that you are part of this community, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I just want to take this opportunity to wish you an excellent 2022. Right now is the time to set those intentions and start putting in that work towards accomplishing your goals. It's also going to be an exciting year for a Hollywood editing mentor currently working on new educational material and other informative content that I will be announcing soon. So definitely stay tuned. Just one more thing before I get to my guest, make sure to sign up to be a member of the Hollywood editing mentor community. If you haven't done so already, it's free and you can join by visiting hollywoodeditingmentor.com slash community. You'll have access to my private Facebook group where I host live question and answer sessions and virtual networking events where you can connect with other members of this great community. I also post job opportunities and other exclusive content. So sign up today. It's free at hollywoodeditingmentor.com slash community. Okay, so my guest today is editor Troy Takaki ACE, who splits his time between features and television. He's worked on such films as Sweet Home Alabama, Hitch, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules, and The Bounty Hunter, and scripted TV shows that include You, Mr. Mercedes, and Underground. Aside from working on great projects, Troy has been very active in Hollywood, mentoring those in the post-production industry. He started the American Cinema Editor's Diversity Mentorship Program after editor Lillian Benson did an informal count and realized there was a lack of people of color in the organization. He'll share why mentoring is so important, give insight into his mentoring process, as well as show you how you can find your own mentors. Speaking of American Cinema Editors, also known as ACE or ACE, Troy is going to explain what the organization is all about and also give some insight into the ACE Diversity Mentorship Program. He'll also explain how you can become a member of both of these groups. But it doesn't end there because Troy will also share some advice for anyone that is trying to break into post-production in Hollywood, as well as those that are trying to advance their existing career in editorial. There's going to be a lot of good stuff in this one, guys, so make sure you subscribe to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast on Apple Podcasts and give it a five-star review. And don't forget to share this episode with anyone that is looking for or wants to learn about becoming a mentor. All right, guys, here we go with episode 26 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast with editor Troy Takaki, ACE. Oh, I also forgot to say that Troy is the bass player for the punk band 
the boneless ones. Thanks for sharing some of your music today, Troy, and congrats on the new record. It is sounding great. Yeah, so basically my punk rock band from when I was in high school, we reformed and uh, we just recorded a new record, you know, here after a 34 year break or something. Awesome. We're, we're, we're going to hear some tracks here today. But yeah, no, I, I love it. I used, I used to play in a death metal band in college. Oh, good. Uh, are you reforming? Are you going to make it have a new record? <laughs> no plans yet to record a new record, but we did say that we would play at each other's weddings. Awesome. Very excited to talk all things mentoring today with my guest here, Troy Takaki, ACE. Troy, it's great to have you here. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, very, very happy to uh, have you here and have a chat and really dive deep into mentoring, what it is, why it's so important, and also how we can find uh, mentors. Well, well, that's great. And, um, you know, I, I really stress the concept of um, not only finding mentors, but being a mentor for other people including people at your level and, you know, of course, people that are, are a, a little bit down the ladder from you. Yeah, for sure. Can't stress enough just how important it is. I mean, it was very instrumental in, in me being able to break into, say, scripted TV in, in Hollywood. And, you know, I still continue to do it. I still not only uh, do it for other people, but I still look to be mentored myself. Yeah, you should have them both directions. I still have mentors and I mentor a lot of people. Awesome. So we're going to get uh, talk about that uh, today. Uh, but first of all, I, I want to get to know you more and, and obviously get this audience to know, know you more as well. Just how, how did you get into editing? And talk to us about your path to the editor. Okay, so... Um when I grew up, I really didn't have dreams of being a filmmaker. You know, a lot of people go, I wanted to be Steven Spielberg when I was five years old or something like that. Um, I honestly didn't really know what filmmaking is. Uh, the way I like to say it is I knew there were filmmakers in the same way I know there are rocket scientists. But I have no idea what a rocket scientist does. And I'm sure there's lots of different people that are known as rocket scientists. So um, I went to San Francisco State and I, I actually went there so I could keep playing in my punk rock band. And uh, I went there for, as a photojournalism major because I really like taking pictures and they have a good journalism department and a good photography department. But while I was there, um, I took GE classes. And I still don't remember if my first one that I fell in love with was the history of cinema or Super 8 filmmaking, but I know it was one or both of those. Then I started just taking more film classes and then I switched. I just fell in love. So I switched majors and uh, I graduated there with a production um, cinema production major uh, degree. And while I was um, getting my degree, I fell in love with editing. So I was one of the lucky ones that came out of college knowing what I wanted to do in filmmaking. I wanted to be an editor. So I actually moved to LA right after uh, graduation and um, started my career. Was it tough to get things going at that stage in your career? So, so I, you know, I, I was lucky that I moved to LA with about 10 other people that also graduated from the Cinema Production Corps. We have this thing called the Production Corps that was 19 people that you apply to. It's a two-year program. So I had basically nine really close friends that moved to LA at the same time. So I could, I had a support system and I could cry on their shoulders. Now, when you know nobody in LA, it is very hard to get your first job and it's really depressing. But slowly but surely, the people around me got PA jobs and um, I kind of lucked out because my dad 
um, who's an author. One of his books was going to be turned into a documentary um, and never did. But he did uh, know a producer who knew a producer who got me an interview as a post PA on a show called DEA. I got that job and um, I was very lucky because I got a job in the department that I wanted to be in. So I didn't get stuck like as an office PA for two years or something like that, because it's, it's hard. To, it's really hard to excel, excel when you're um, working in an apartment that you don't love. So I highly recommend if you if you can, if you want to be an editor, try to get into post-production as early as possible. Um, while I was there, I bugged the assistant editors and I learned how to put a line script together and I learned how to load dailies and I learned how to do outputs and stuff. And, um, uh, um, you, you know, I just helped them out a little bit and just enough that I was able to get there out of there with the skills I needed to be hired as an assistant editor on a non-union show. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, HBO and all of, all of the, um, uh, all of the, um, Cable networks were non-union because, you know, they were much smaller and more niche back then. Um, and I got a assistant editing job on Tales from the Crypt, which is an amazing, amazing show. Once again, kind of just lucked out, but literally was paying like half as much as, you know, uh, a, a network show was paying. Um, uh, and from there, I got, you know, learned more and more skills kind of muddled my way through, but luckily I, I want to learn as much as possible. I still want to learn as much as possible. So I became a pretty good ed- uh, assistant editor over time. A lot of things I want to kind of extract from there, but I, when I go back, you mentioned something about, you know, uh, you did this with several people having a, a shoulder to cry. And I think that's very important, right? To, to find a community, to find that support. I certainly, uh, when I got to LA, it was very tough. And when I started finding these communities is, um, and I felt people were really understanding me and I could really communicate what I was going through. People understood me. I mean, that, that kept me going. I, I know. Okay. So, so, so like I, I'm teaching a, a course at Columbia College Chicago and I highly recommend them to like move to LA with somebody and like be roommates with another person. That's hopefully somebody that is in post-production, but even just somebody that wants to be a writer or a producer or a director because then you kind of have someone to talk to about how your day's going and you don't feel so alone. Now, going back to uh, say those times where you were assistant editing, do you remember when you first then got your first opportunity to edit and how did that come about? Well, you know, from the very beginning when I was post PA, I made sure to edit things on the side. So I edited my friend's wedding video and some music videos and stuff like that because um, you want to, as early as possible, if you're a PA, you want them to start thinking of you as an assistant editor that happens to be a PA. And then as an assistant editor, you want them to start thinking of you as an editor that happens to assist. Now, in both cases, you want to be the best PA and the best assistant editor. But, um, the, the, you know, I, I highly recommend doing projects on the side. I also highly recommend if your editor like says, hey, you want to cut the scene? You just do it. And you do it that night. You don't do it like later that week. You stay till two in the morning. And you do it before, you know, anything else, you you know. Um, And so on Tales from the Crypt, I got to edit a few scenes. Once again, I continued to edit, you know, music videos and short films and stuff on the side. Because that also really helped me learn. Um, At the time, we were using a, a machine called the Montage Picture Processor. And so the more you touch the machine, the more your skills grow because you're, con- you know, you're, you're solving a problem every day. 
and you just want to get better at all the problem solving. You have to put in that work. I think sometimes it's uh, some people are like, well, some assistants, well, you know, I can't, I don't have time to edit projects on the side or, or cut scenes for my editor. But it's very important that you do find the time to do so, especially, you know, in the earlier part of your career. Yeah, I always say, I always say to those people, there's no way you don't have time. Troy is editing, you know, a pilot and a documentary and working, you know, playing in a punk rock band and mentoring and has a wife and two kids. And I managed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You're a busy man. So Troy, then uh, obviously then you've, you've edited some uh, big projects, both in features and television. You know, how did you then uh, get on these projects? Say, uh, you know, where can you take us back to when you started getting these big opportunities and maybe what what got you those opportunities, would you say? Okay, so so the first show that I was hired as an editor was a show called Likely Suspects. It was a sh it only they only made like 12 episodes back in 1992. And uh, the way I got that was it was um it started very late in the year. Most television shows start in like July and it was starting in late August, September. And it was non-union, so it wasn't paying as well. And uh, essentially, I went there for the interview. The other editor was uh, was an editor that I had assisted for and he got me an interview. And I went there and I just kind of hung out around for hours while they did other stuff. And I don't know, somehow they hired me. So that was my first thing. Uh, my second thing was on Walker, Texas Ranger, where I got hired as an editor on Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, I had worked with Frank Lupo and John Ashley on a the pilot of a show called Raven. And they really liked my editing. And then when they had the opportunity to hire me as an editor, they hired me. Once again, it literally paid like half as much as any other show. It was non-union. It shot in Texas. I don't know. I mean, it was for CBS. So I have no idea how it was non-union. But, uh, but you know, um, you, you, you take those opportunities to and it was really, really hard. Like I worked harder than I ever did before and ever did since. Um but you, I, I always say to young people, it's like you actually hope that you get those really hard jobs early in your career because, you know, the pressure of having to work 20 hour days with, you know, and then have like four hours off and work another 20 hour days makes it so that you become a better hardened editor. And after that, everything is like easy in comparison, you know, I, I, I guess it's sort of like building up calluses, you know, uh, you know, um, so, so uh, I, you know, I just think it's really helpful to have those really hard shows early on in your career. So, you know, when you're young, do it. Uh, Troy, I mean, you you've obviously have a lot of experience. Obviously, the industry is changing, technology is changing, things are changing. But would you say things have changed in regards to, say, how we can break into this industry and, and, and find work and, and how we network? I mean, has that changed? Well, I mean, I think particularly in television, it's become significantly easier over the past three years. I mean, there's a, a, a worker shortage in television. So um, there's just so many television shows that particularly their assistant editors are in high demand right now. And um, because of that, PAs are in higher demand. E you know, more people are getting bumped up. But really, the, the, I, I would say assistant editors is, is, the, is, the, is, the one, is the one job that there just aren't enough people right now. No, 
I mean, I'm constantly getting hit up for uh, recommendations. I, I they say I cannot find anyone. I, I don't know anybody. <laughs> I don't know like anybody. I, I know, and I know I know hundreds of people, and I don't know anybody that's out of work. So, which I, I think I also then it's a good time for those. I mean, you know, sometimes when I I, I do know people, for example, that are a little green that might not have that experience, and, I, and you know, when I always if I refer anyone with that type of experience. I always say, kind of disclaimer, hey, you know, I know someone green. Are you looking for someone more experienced or are you okay with it? For someone not having maybe that many scripted credits. And then obviously they say, well, you know what? I'll give it, a, give them a shot. Yes. I think it's also maybe a, a really good opportunity for those people that are trying to say transition to scripted or trying to break in. Yes. It's kind of like the moment, I would say, maybe. Yes, it totally is. The golden age of assistant editing. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say, I guess, speaking of, like, what would you say to tell someone that, that is trying to say to transition uh, that does not have maybe that the those scripted credits or film credits that is trying to transition or break in? I mean, any advice would you give them? Well, I would say whether you have, um, I mean, you really need to build up some skills. So, you know, whether you're, it's a non, non-scripted television or as a post PA, you really do want to build up some skills before you jump into scripted assistant editing. Um, then the question is, how do you transition? And realistically, once again, it's one of those things where you have to learn the skills. So you, you should be making friends with people that are scripted assistant editors, hopefully shadowing them, at least on zoom, you know, learning what a continuity is and what's how to put a line script together and, and um, how to put temp music in and how to put sound effects in and all of that. And, and, you know, and it's that type of thing where once again, playing around with your own projects and stuff or helping out on like a student film's, actually really helps you build up those skills, you know, because once you get that break, you want to know kind of what you're doing. Yeah. It's like that, that. Don't get, at least don't get fired the first week. Exactly. I mean, at least my experience was that, you know, I learned a lot as I went. I mean, I, I remember getting my first job scripted job and it was, you know, I mean, I knew the skills, I had the skills, but I mean, I knew that I was going to keep on learning and the uh, other assistants were very uh, helpful answer all my questions. And I think a lot of stuff, you just have to experience it. You just have to do it. Oh, you you, you learn the most by doing it, you know, but uh, put yourself in a position where you have sort of the foundation so you don't get fired that first week. Troy, I mean, obviously now you're very involved with communities and, and mentoring people. You, uh, you created the ACE Diversity Mentorship Group, um, which is part of ACE, uh, American Cinema Editors. First of all, let's just start there. What is ACE? We see that at the end of your name, Trey Takaki ACE. What is the American Cinema Editors? Uh, oftentimes people ask me, is that the union? It is not the union. It is a group um, of editors that are sort of, um, it's it's a honorary society is what I think is the is the term. And um, it is editors that have worked in the field for quite a bit of time. You have to have worked at least, you know, uh, 72 months. So what have that, what's that six years straight, or, you know, obviously you won't, don't need the 72 months straight. It could be over 10 years, let's say, but, um, and you have to apply to get in and we let in, you know, a small number of people every year. And, it is a group of uh, really good editors where you get to like um, meet other editors, have holiday parties. We also uh, have various programs that we run 
um, educational programs and internship programs and mentorship programs. Um, it is a great organization. I've been a member for 21 years now. And of course, now part of that is the ACE Diversity Mentorship Group, again, that you created. Give us some insight into this group. What is it and why does it exist? Okay, so it exists because back in, you know, 2000. 15, 2016, there was a whole Oscar So White campaign that happened where like basically all of the directors and all of the uh, um, actors were were Caucasian. And uh, because and one of the reasons why that might have happened is that uh, uh, the Academy was heavily weighted towards older white people because it was hard to get into. And so they started a campaign where they're like, we're going to get more women and people of color in the academy. And so some of us at ACE looked at ourselves and we were very Caucasian and we said and and male dominated and we're like, okay, let's get people here, too. And uh, me and one of the other members, Lillian Benson and I like thought, oh, who else we can we get in? And literally she could name one person and I could name one person. We're like, okay, so this isn't going to work. What are our other options? And so I came up with the idea of basically um, mentoring junior editors, like people that maybe had 24 months and 36 months and uh, start the, started this mentorship program for women, people of color and other um, um groups of people that are underrepresented and uh, tried to make them a part of ACE before they had their 72 months. And then once they get their 72 months, they're so enthusiastic about the, about our group, about our, our, our organization, they join. And, you know, over the past few years, we've had probably dozens of, of new members that came from our group. Why do you think it's important to have diversity in the editorial department and also you know, how has that aspect of the industry changed uh, since you started your career? So first, let's talk about why it's important. I think it's important because, you know, we are a voice in the room and a voice in media that then uh, is shown to millions and tens of millions of people. So uh, it is important for uh, the underrepresented groups to be part of the process of making media and therefore, you know, have a voice in what is being broadcast and and movies, you know, what is being shown. Um, Then the second part is how has it changed? Well, I can tell you right now that 10 years ago, almost every editing room I was in was a bunch of white males. And now, um, you know, I, I don't think I've had an editing room that didn't at least have one or two females in it in in five or six years. And unfortunately, I'm I it is not unusual for me to be the only person of color. Um, but uh, there are a lot of, you know, people of color uh, working in the industry. I just, you know, it's still relatively Caucasian um, dominated. Uh mainly just because of numbers like we you go to the ac party now and it is very diverse so it's all it's all happening we're going the right direction i you know i feel pretty good about the direction we're going um as as in post-production honestly yeah absolutely i mean i can definitely at least you know the time i've been in it i can definitely see the change happening you can actually watch the change happening and it's kind of cool it's very important and and we we stress this in in the diversity group to you know that that even you know, 
underrepresented groups need to learn about other underrepresented groups, you know? So, uh, so, so it is very good for you to be in a position where you, you are working closely and you're becoming friends with all sorts of different groups, ones that you didn't necessarily grow up with when you were a child. So what does this group consist of? What is it all about? And uh, what activities do you do? And most importantly, how do you get in? Okay, so first let's talk about what it is and I'll try to do it briefly. Um, essentially, uh, it is a two-year program uh, with 21 new mentees every year. I, from the very beginning, realized that uh, it was not going to be helpful for seven mentors or 10 mentors to try to mentor 42 people. Like it would just be chaos. So I broke it up from the very beginning into what what I call pods. And obviously that term has been stolen <laughs> by, by COVID. But, uh, uh, so, so each pod has now, um, we've, we've sort of stabilized over several years. And now each pod has basically three first year people and three second year people and three mentors. So um, the idea is for you to try to end up with a diverse pod. So you would end up with, let's say, um, uh, a Chinese immigrant woman and a African-American man from uh, Iowa or something like that. Um, you would want a editor that's been working in scripted for five years and assistant editors that have been working in documentary um, because uh, you can learn a lot from each other uh, by just being, you know, getting to know more people. Then the other thing is really important about this is I stress that, yes, we are mentors, but what we're really doing is teaching people to mentor. So I want my six mentees to be mentors and I want them to start mentoring other people, other people in our pod, other people in the program and other people not in the program, because it, you know, I can touch my, my way of mentoring can touch more people by me teaching people to mentor rather than me just having one-on-one -on -one with them. So everybody's like, that sounds like an awesome program. How do I get in? Exactly. That's exactly. Well, <laughs> the first two years we let anybody in because we were just trying to find people. It has become such a popular program that it's very hard to get in now. So the way that we've broken, we've come to uh, get new people in now is that each pod gets to put forward three people. They don't necessarily go into pod one. Let's say pod one picks three people. They don't necessarily go into pod one. They can. There's no rule against it. But uh, we put them into basically a pool and then we do a draft like fantasy football draft, essentially, or, you know, getting picked for kickball. And uh, and, uh, uh, you know, so if you want to be part of the program, you know, you if you know anybody in the program, you talk to them. If you don't know anybody in the program, you contact ACE because we also have a path for people that know nobody. But it goes through contacting ACE, asking to be part of the program. And then somebody has like coffee with you and finds out if you're awesome or not. 
Um, it, it's a, it's a really, really good program. It's one of the things I'm most proud of that I have done in my life. Yeah, no, I mean, and I gotta say, uh, I'm very excited to be part of it, uh, myself this year. And so far it's been awesome. Can I remember the first, uh, our first meeting a couple of years ago, uh, when we met for coffee, you told me to read your book. Yes. Don't miss out on any avocado milkshakes, the art and joy of being a film editor. First thing I was, what's up with the title? <laughs> well, you found out when you read the book. Yeah, I know. I, I Exactly. So you got to read the book to find out what the title means, but also uh, to learn more about this great industry and, and how to navigate this career. Uh, I, I certainly read it before our first meeting, uh, but Troy, uh, what led you to write this book? Okay. So, um, you know, I was doing the mentoring and this was pretty early in the, in the diversity uh, mentorship program. And Harry Yoon, one of the uh, mentors in the program, uh, you know, told me like I should write a book. And he gave me an example of a book, a book called like the little red book that's uh, for golf uh, that I should read to base it on. And basically uh, in the little red book of golf, it's a golf instructor and he'll say, keep your left arm straight. And then he'll give you a story about teaching somebody why to keep your left arm straight. Um, and so uh, that is how I sort of base this book that I was writing. Um, so, and that's kind of how I mentor anyway is, and you might even be able to tell this from the, the podcast. I'll like give an example, give you a, 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 a piece of advice and then give you an example of when it happened to me usually um, with a little story. So it's really easy to read. Let's be clear. When you get the book, it's like a picture book and you should be able to read it in like an hour. But everybody that reads it says it gives them uh, very valuable uh, advice. Yes, absolutely. We're going to put a link to the book here in the show notes. But yeah, I read it. I remember uh, it was a very good read, quick read. And, and before our meeting, I definitely learned a lot and I recommend people definitely check it out. Because very, very good advice. And, and, and also, I think, like you said, um, you know, talk about mentoring, how you mentor. I think it's, I, I like this idea of, of listening to people's stories. Yes. And experiences. You know, we talk about mentorship and people often ask me, well, how do I, how do I find a mentor? A any advice for people as to how they can find a mentor or mentors? Well, you know, <laughs> I think that one of the biggest mistakes people make is the concept that a mentor has to be significantly above you in your in your career. So you're like, oh, I really want to find a, you know, a, an editor that can mentor me. I will email Kevin Tent, who's like, you know, uh, the president of ACE and is editing all these really big movies and stuff like that. Uh, that's great if you happen to be able to get somebody like that as a mentor, but that's not really what's necessary. What's really necessary is for you to find people at your level or just a tiny bit above your level. Those are the most helpful people. So, you know, um, if you have just moved to LA and you become friends with these people that are assistant editors, those are the people you want mentoring you, not necessarily Troy Takaki, you know, or, or Kevin Tent. So, so, you should when you're looking for mentors, don't look for the top of the ladder. Look for just like one rung above you and you will get the the most the best advice and um, the most out of those types of mentorship things. In the same way as if you're going to be a mentor, mentor the people that are just below you. If you're if you're a new assistant editor, uh, you know, mentor the post PAs. And, and once again, OK, let's say you, you know, you really like the show euphoria 
Now you can hunt down. There's ways that, you know on the internet to hunt down just the emails of just about anybody. Um, and you are like, I really want to talk to that lead editor. Well, that's great. But find those assistant editors on Euphoria. They're much more likely to spend time with you and appreciate the fact that you're like, care about what they're doing. And so, you know, you go on IMDb, you find, um, you know, the the um, assistant editors on Euphoria, and then you contact them. You find them on LinkedIn, you find them, you know, you, you can hunt down the emails of just about anybody, honestly, if you're clever enough. Shout out to all the Euphoria crew. Yeah, we know like, <laughs> we know like three quarters of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> when looking for a mentor, I mean, is, is it just all about, hey, literally ask someone, can you be my mentor? How does that relationship kind of evolve, would you say? You know, I mean, I don't think that you want to start off so heavy handed as that. You say, um, you know, like you did, where where you, you contact the person and you say, Hey, can I, can I take you to coffee? I'm really interested. I hear that you're, uh, you know, I really like the show you worked on, or my friend says you're really cool. Can I take you to coffee or lunch? And then you take that person to lunch and you see if there's sort of a connection there. Cause, cause you know, mentorship really isn't two meetings for coffee. Mentorship is like a long term, you know, relationship if you do it right. So you don't want 20 mentors that you go to coffee with, you want one or two really good mentors that you might keep for, you know, decades. I mean, like you said, this 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 can take time. It's a process, right? Oh, yeah. It has to evolve. It's a relationship. It's not just something that happens overnight. And you have to, you have to, you know, work at it. Keep, keep, you know, keep in touch. Yes. And not just, you know, let it, let it slide, you know, after one meeting. You have to, you have to kind of check in and, and, and connect. You have to check in and you have to be, you know, and you have to remember with all of these things where you contact people, you know, ne- you never want to be in a position where you're only contacting them when you're out of work. Right. So you want to be like, you, you, you know, if you can find that mentor, that assistant editor that's in scripted and you're in non-scripted, you want to write them emails telling them, you know, what you did this in the past few months. Oh, I, I also uh, cut this short film. Things are going really well. I'm walking my dog and I cut this short film. How are you? You know, um, because it, it really, co- the best mentorships come down to making friends with people. They just happen to be, you know, in a, a different part of your, a different, you know, level of career or a different part of the of post-production than you. And I think also it's important to, to communicate who you are as a person, right? I mean, like, what what are you, what, I mean, are you, you know, are you, are you playing a band or, I mean, what movies are you into? What, what do yes. you like to eat? I mean, like all these things that, you know, uh, tell us about the other person and, and help us connect. Yeah, I mean, if you're lucky, you end up with, you know, mentoring people that want to ride bikes with you and go paddleboarding and stuff like that. That's what, you know, some of my best mentees right now are people that paddleboard with me. And now for the other side of it, what do you recommend to people that are looking to be mentors? Um, how can one be, I guess, a, a good mentor? You just have to think of it sort of reverse engineered, which is like, keep yourself open to mentoring people. Um, you, you know, in many cases, there's people at work that, you know, you work with that you could be mentoring, whether it's the, if you're an editor, it's the assistant editor. If it's the, your assistant editor, it's the PA and um, or the post coordinator or anything. So, you know, once again, I, I feel like it comes down to making friends with people. And the mentorship part just comes naturally then. It, it really shouldn't be, mentoring really shouldn't be a pain in the ass. You really, in, in a lot of ways, being a mentor, you want to put yourself in a position where you're getting out of it at least as much as the person being mentored, you know? And I feel like that. I mean, 
People often with the diversity program goes, Troy, how do you have so much time? With it? You know, how, you know, how, how do you have so much energy? And I go, I get paid in love. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing. And you know this because you're in the program, how much appreciation and love I get from the mentees. Absolutely. And the, and the other mentors, you know, which are often really big editors and they really appreciate everything that I'm doing, you know. So um, you, you, I highly recommend being a mentor. I think you, you know, you learn a lot and you get a lot out of it. Absolutely, man. No, I totally, I totally agree. And and yes, we all certainly appreciate uh, what you do, what you've been doing uh, with this community. It's it's great for sure, Troy. I want to finish this off by by maybe offering if you can offer now some advice here, people. Two, there's two parts to this. First of all, people trying to break in to say film and or scripted TV uh, editorial advice for them. And also then those that are trying to advance their careers that are maybe looking to say, get bumped up to being an editor or say are early on in their editing career. They're just trying to get, you know, uh, grow their, their credits. Right. So breaking in, I believe that you, you know, you, you kind of, if you want to work in scripted television or scripted features, you really have to live in LA or New York. I mean, obviously there's exceptions to every rule, but you know, still 90% of all television and post-production is done in Los Angeles. And there is significantly more in New York than there used to be. Um, but there's very little in Chicago and very little in Miami. So you need to move here. Once again, I, I really recommend moving um, with somebody. I really recommend you moving with some skills. You can learn Avid, you can learn Final Cut, and you can learn Premiere on your own um, and start cutting like little videos that you shoot on your on your iPhone and stuff like that. Get your skills up. Read books. There's a lot of books on assistant editing, a lot of books on editing. Um, you know, you just have to absorb some knowledge. Then you move here and you start networking. And when I say networking, it is not necessarily don't think of it as like when the movies where you're like, uh, you know, trying to hobnob with the other assistant editors who just make friends. Eventually, your networking just becomes hanging out with your friends. That's the goal is networking is hanging out with your friends, whether it be <laughs> riding a bike or having drinks in your backyard, you know. And then as far as getting bumped up, I think we've discussed this already in here, which is like it's just work. It's just that little extra work. And you want to know something? Most people don't do it. I totally agree. It, it, it seems so easy. And I repeat it over and over. And you'd be shocked at how people don't do it. You know, um, so it's up to you to, to put that extra effort in. And, it, you know, when I say cut a wedding video, you're like, well, that's dumb. Why would anybody care? I'm like, you will learn and people will see you editing on your Avid. And they'll be like, oh, maybe I'll let Troy cut a scene. He's, you know, he spent all weekend doing that, that wedding video for his friend, Eric. You know, I mean, you, you would be surprised how people notice assistant editors that edit on the side compared to ones that don't. Oh, yeah. No, totally. I, you know, I have several, several people that, you know, like literally they'll be doing an export, which takes, you know, 45 minutes as it renders in some ways. And meanwhile, they're cutting a indie movie on their laptop, you know? Yeah. Um, those are the type of people I like hiring. Those are the pe type of people most people like hiring, you know? 
Obviously, once again, exceptions every rule. Some, you know, editors want their assistant editor to just be assistant editors, but you don't want to work with those people anyway. So let's not care about <laughs> Right. You actually brought up something there that I wanted to ask you about. Now that we're working remotely, I often get asked, do I need to be in LA? First of all, I don't think we're going to keep working remotely for the rest of our lives. I think it's going to be either um, hybrid, meaning like uh, on my next project, I might be working work from home for dailies for like eight weeks and then starting to work in the office. Or it will be like my current project where, where you know, we're working from home right now, but once we hit director's cut and producer's cut, we have to be ready to be working in the office. You know, uh, I think that you're limiting yourself if you want to only work um, remotely and live in Arizona. Now there you'll you'll be able to there's the chance you'll be able to find shows like that from now on because it's been working and it's something we've learned and it's working much better now than it did two years ago. If that is uh, the path you want to take, I do not uh, veto it. I just don't think it's necessarily the easiest path. And it's not only just, you know, because of producers or whatever, you know, when you're in the office, you get to know other people. And this is a business where the more people you become friends with, the more people you know, the better your career is and the more fun you have in your career, at least for me. Now, you know, obviously there's some people that are antisocial or something like that or um, not in a bad way, but there's some people that like just being at home with their dog and editing. Great. That's not me. I'm a, I'm a people person. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like it's so fun working in this, like in LA, being in LA and working. This, that this is it's just fun. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's great. I, I, yes, I have a really good time going in the office. I like seeing people. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, hey, Troy, uh, again, thank you for being on the podcast. It was great talking to you, and and, and definitely uh, look forward to, to to getting to know you more. Okay, and and, uh, and just appreciate all the advice that you shared today with the Hollywood editing mentor community great well thank you for inviting me on your podcast and have a great day awesome troy we're gonna play it out here with the boneless ones this is back to the grind featuring troy takaki ac on bass thanks again troy great okay talk to you bye let's go i'm back on board with my friends we're gonna do this thing till the better Thanks again to editor Troy Takaki ACE for sharing some great advice and some great music as well. And thank you for listening to episode 26 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and give it a five-star review. And also share this episode with anyone that is looking for a mentor or that is looking to mentor other people. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. Stay safe, stay positive. Stay positive.